Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is NPR News. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, offering hybrid doctorates, K-12 leadership, higher education, and math education. Combine online and face-to-face courses to graduate in three years. Details at education.olemiss.edu. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, cleaning up after floods in southwest Mississippi. Then, will new services at the Jackson Airport change the debate over who is in charge of the airport board? I think we're adding to the board. We're creating a new board that will have more representation from people within the area of Jackson. But I think it's fair uh, for Madison and Rankin County to have representation on this board. Later, a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on favorite teachers. And the University of Mississippi has officially stopped playing Dixie at sporting events. What does this mean to students? That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Residents of southwest Mississippi are cleaning up after severe flooding sent many residents seeking higher, drier ground. In Wilkinson County, citizens had more than 80 homes hit by high water earlier this month. Mississippi Emergency Management Agency Director Lee Smithson says the state will not get a federal disaster declaration for the floods. Really, the uh, only Wilkinson County was uh, was uh, severely impacted by the flooding two weeks ago. Uh, Amit County had one home with major damage and some roads damaged. Um, and Pike County had one home with minor damage and seven roads that had some type of damage. But Wilkerson County, in the far southwestern part of the state, had two homes destroyed, 23 homes with major damage, and 58 homes with minor damage, uh, as well as 23 roads and 10 bridges with some type of damage to them. So uh, Wilkerson County received the brunt of the damage. Uh, unfortunately for the state of Mississippi, is we're not going to get a federal disaster declaration like they saw in Louisiana, only because um, the damage was not so widespread. And the way it works is we have to, the governor has to tell the, the president that the damage exceeds the state's capability to respond to it. And it just doesn't quite, you know, it's just not there. But we have gotten some uh, uh, alter- alternative housing funds to the tune of a quarter million dollars that will be going to the people in Wilkerson County uh, for the express purpose of purchasing um, building supplies to uh, to repair their homes, uh, and that labor will be done by by um, nonprofit faith-based organizations. So, uh, and of course, the Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Mennonites. Uh, and other uh, faith-based and volunteer organizations have been down there. And, in fact, today uh, we have reports of uh, a Buddhist volunteer organization from Houston, Texas, that will be coming up to Wilkerson County to help. So while we didn't get a federal declaration, uh, one of the great things that we do so well in Mississippi is we help each other. So we've got so many volunteer organizations coming in to help those people out. Lee Smithson of MEMA on flooding in Wilkinson County. Thomas Tolliver is Emergency Management Director for Wilkinson County. He tells MPB's Evelina Burnett the town of Crosby was hardest hit by the flooding. 
we had other areas that were inundated with uh, water or others, but not as significant as it was in the city of Crosby. Now, we did have some people located in the Buffalo community, probably 12 or more, uh, had to be rescued out of their home. And uh, we had some residents in the Centerville area who had some uh, water damages. Uh, and, of course, they were not as significant as they were in Crosby and, and in the Buffalo community. How are the, the homeowners doing, are you the you know, the residents in that area who did get inundated, what are they doing this week? Well, we had approximately uh, 68 that had been living in a shelter in uh, Natchez, Mississippi, but then they are gradually coming back, assessing damages to their various homes, but they are not there uh, permanently. We had some people there that were in public housing, and, of course, we've been told today that... Uh, it would approximately it would be approximately uh, two months before they're able to come back and um, into that particular area. And of course, we're having all kinds of not all kinds, but we have an assistance from various volunteer agencies that are coming in as American Red Cross. Uh, been there for quite a bit and done a significant amount of response effort uh, and recovery effort. And we've also had the Christian Ministries. Uh, they uh, have been doing muck, muck outs or mud outs or whatever they call it uh, to help the people get their properties clean. And, of course, we've had uh, the Baptist group, Southern Baptist groups that are there at this point, and they're also doing cleaning and getting people ready to go back uh, into their homes. And they're living there at First Baptist Church there in Crosby. And, of course, People are being attended to. Uh, they are getting most of the things that, that are initially necessary following the first 72 hours. We are now looking at doing assessments. We are in the assessment phases of it uh, in an attempt to uh, get individual assistance uh, for these particular uh, homeowners or renters. MPB's Evelina Burnett with Thomas Tolliver, Emergency Management Director of Wilkinson County, on recovering from recent flooding there. Up next, will new services at the Jackson Airport change the debate over who's in charge there? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you're print impaired, MPB's radio reading service is here for you. Our dedicated team of volunteers bring the world of news and entertainment to you. For information and to see if you qualify, call us at 601-432-6301. MPB is getting its very own car tag. But first, we need your help. To begin production, we need 300 of you to say yes to the tag. Go to mpbonline.org slash car tag for more information and also to sign up. A portion of the fee goes to help MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. Thanks for your help, and we'll see you on the road. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A small carrier at the Jackson Airport is adding services to three cities in September, but the debate over who will ultimately control the airport continues. A new law would change the makeup of the board of the Jackson Municipal Airport Authority. The law, known as Senate Bill 2162, is held up until a lawsuit by the airport and the city of Jackson is resolved. Rosie Pridgen is chair of JMAA's Board of Commissioners. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier the Federal Aviation Administration wants 
the dispute resolved before changes to the board are made. And the current board still considers the new law to be a hostile takeover of the airport. Prior to July 1, when 2162 would have been implemented, the JMAA board did enter into, uh, did file a motion grant asking, seeking an injunction uh, to or for the court to intervene in federal court. That did happen as we announced that it would. Uh, it was the position of JMAA Board of Commissioners that we did not want anything to imply that we were in agreement with 2162. And from reading the FAA's position, it was uh, very clear that they needed to know that if, if there were any disputes, that they would not consider offering a certificate of operation. So we did file that. It has been filed. We don't have a date yet for the hearing on that. But in the meanwhile, because of the other things that goes on when you do these kinds of things, and I don't know all of the details, we are aware that pursuant to Judge Reed's order that there is a delay in implementing Senate Bill 2162, and it continues and remains in effect. And the governor and lieutenant governor shall not name or officially appoint anyone to the airport authority board proposed by Senate Bill 2162. We had the announcement that Southern Airways is going to be adding uh, flights to its roster uh, Memphis, Destin, Nashville, out of the Atlantic Aviation Terminal. Uh, does this bode well for your chances of uh, holding on to control of the uh, airport? It is our opinion that certainly any uh, activity that's positive to meet the public needs, fly, uh, that it could not hurt. So certainly we are elated about this announcement. At the same time, it may or may not help with this particular situation, but we are proceeding on because, in fact, Senate Bill 2162 uh, was not done in good faith effort to start with because no one ever spoke to the Board of Commissioners or the CEO about what our strategic plans are and were. If so, they would have learned that, yes, we have always uh, continued to pursue uh, additional air carriers. So, whereas, yes, we are elated about things that are happening that are positive, that was a part of our JMAA strategic plan, and certainly we hope that it will wait well in terms of not allowing 2162 to ever uh, be implemented because it was no, never warranted, should not have been, and we still consider it a very hostile takeover. MPB's Desiree Fraser with Rosie Pridgen of the Jackson Municipal Airport Authority. Governor Phil Bryant signed the law to change the airport board. He tells MPB's Desiree Fraser the proposed new board would represent the entire region, not just Jackson. Well, of course, what we have to do is bring in CEOs, um, site selectors, uh, many of them that come through Nashville and through Memphis and from Destin. Uh, they want to look at sites here in Mississippi, so have this uh, carrier that can get them here. Uh, in a proper amount of time and uh, let them get their work done is very important to us. And so a regional carry is critical because a lot of the business that we're doing, I'll, I'll just leave just now and go out to uh, Nissan for an additional work there, uh, develops in the southeast, and this is what this carry is bringing us. Do you feel like it's really hampered the state? 
Well, uh, it's always good uh, to have additional air carriers, particularly for business, but friends and family. There are a lot of people that have associations in, in, in Nashville. Uh, they may be able to fly in from other parts of the country in this case, uh, catch this regional area here. So it's important that we have that. And tourism uh, possibilities. Uh, we'd like to see more travel, obviously, to the Mississippi Gulf Coast from the Nashville, Memphis area. That's one of the uh, most important locations for us within our uh, destination location on the Gulf Coast. In terms of the controversy over the Jackson Airport Authority, does does this have any impact on that? What is the ramifications? Oh, I think not. I think it's best for us to continue to work together. I'd like to see the entire region working to help build this Jackson International Airport, and I think that's the whole concept of the idea is how much, can, how much more can we support it, how much more uh, influence can we put behind it from a regional standpoint to make it bigger and better than it is. So you would still be for dissolving the board then? No, I, I think we're adding to the board. We're creating a new board that will have more representation from people within the area of Jackson. But I think it's fair uh, for Madison and Rankin County to have representation on this board. We're trying to be more inclusive in this business environment. MPB's Desiree Frazier with Governor Phil Bryant. Up next, a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on favorite teachers. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The conventions are over. Candidates have been nominated with less than three months to Election Day. We don't know what's going to happen between now and then, but we will be here to help you understand it. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join me each Tuesday for Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Each week we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental obstacles to family interaction, from depression to handling life's disruptions, discovering things that make you happy, or how to get around things keeping you from your happiness. I want to hear what's going on in your life. Relatively Speaking, part of the Daily Southern Remedy series, this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. When Lex Rofus stopped by the StoryCorps Mobile Tour stop in Jackson with his girlfriend, Valerie Langberg, he had grammar school on the mind. Specifically, Langberg asked him about some of his favorite teachers. Who was your favorite teacher in elementary school? Ooh, in elementary school? Um, I definitely have a favorite middle school teacher, but in elementary school, I guess my favorite teacher was probably Mrs. Well, I had a couple. I had Mrs. Camp, who was my kindergarten teacher, and then I had Mrs. Yunkins, who was my... Uh, second grade teacher and Mrs. Camp was wonderful she she was at my school for like 30 plus years and a kindergarten teacher the whole time and she just had this wonderful way about her I mean she was a good and effective teacher but the things that people loved about her weren't because um, I mean she was really good in the classroom but that wasn't what it was she like took every one of her her big thing was every one of her kids she would take out to Baskin Robbins over the course of the year she would one on one with a kindergarten kid go to Baskin Robbins, and like I know, like looking back, it sounds kind of creepy, but it really wasn't. It was this really amazing thing that you looked forward to. She set up all the dates early on. It, it was just like a really touching thing. And as a, as a kid that age, you're never treated like you're able to have like a conversation or do anything. And probably I wasn't able to have a conversation, but <laughs> it was fun to do that. My school had Grandparents and Special Friends Day, which was the Wednesday right before Thanksgiving every year. It was a half day. And you'd bring in your bring in your grandparents or bring in some extended family member or a older sibling or friend, whatever it was. Um, 
And I, I learned as I got older that this was largely to, like, raise money for school and, like, <laughs> cynical whatever things. But it was also a really fun day. And um, I brought my uncle, my Uncle Rich, every year, starting with Mrs. Camp um, when I was five. And he would come and we'd do whatever programming we had for the day. And every year till high school, we would go back and make a point of visiting Mrs. Camp. She was just, like, such a special... She's, she's still around. She is a really special person. I think she retired a couple of years ago. There was a big party. Yeah, she was great. Mrs. Youngkins was my second grade teacher. She was just wonderfully quirky and hilarious and clearly loved what she did. She was the second grade teacher for a long time, and her big thing was, like, whenever you asked her how old she was, she said, I'm 117. <laughs> and, like, and she, like, had this going for years. And, like, second grade is just young enough to, like, still sort of believe it, <laughs> but it's old enough to not be convinced right away and, like, wait, are you sure? So it was perfect. And then, like, I remember the next year asking kids in her class how old they were, and they would say 117. And, like, that doesn't make any sense. She was 117 <laughs> last year. She has to be 118. And so then I would, like, ask her about it. She, like, had it all down to a science and somehow convinced us all. She was super great. My most lasting memory of her is actually really embarrassing. I was in second grade, of course, and for Halloween, I think that year I dressed up as a pig. Um, I don't know why I wanted to be a pig. It's not kosher. Um, that's true. Um, I ate lots of pig until late <laughs> in high school. Um, yeah, I was dressed up as a pig, and I went to go to the bathroom, and I couldn't figure out how to get my costume off. And I was there for like five, ten minutes, just freaking out, trying to get my costume off. And I couldn't, and I peed in my costume. And she, like, adorable woman, she knew I had been gone from class for a while, so she was worried. <laughs> and she, like, came and she, like, comforted me and helped me out. She probably doesn't remember this. She probably but, does. <laughs> I'm sure she's dealt with a lot of peeing kids in her day. <laughs> it was a really meaningful, like, like, she was just there, and it was great. To hear more from our StoryCorps conversations, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps mobile tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Well, the conventions are over. Candidates have been nominated. With less than three months to Election Day, we don't know what's going to happen between now and then. But whatever it is, we'll be here to help you understand it. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. Your favorite MPB Think Radio shows are now available on your favorite podcast app. So open that app and subscribe to any local program you love, like Everyday Tech. Android does have the most delicious operating system, I find. Jelly, it's jelly bean. The Gestalt Gardener. What's up? What you got going on? And of course, MPB's Season Pass with myself, Sam Wells, and Jay White. That's my guys, man. So what are you waiting for? Go search and subscribe today. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. At the University of Mississippi, the band will play Dixie No More. Last week, Ole Miss Athletic Director Ross Bjork asked the school's Pride of the South marching band to remove the Confederate anthem from all game day performances. In a statement, Bjork said, quote, Because the Pride of the South is such a large part of our overall experience and tradition, the athletics department asked them to create a new and modern pregame 
game show that does not include Dixie and is more inclusive for all fans, unquote. The Daily Mississippian, the campus newspaper at Ole Miss, published a staff editorial in favor of the decision. We spoke with Clara Turnage, editor-in-chief of the paper this morning. She says the issue remains divisive on campus. Well, um, on Friday, Ross Bjork, athletics director for the University of Mississippi, announced that Dixie would no longer be played at sporting events. And, of course, it is something that's very dear to many people, and uh, other people feel very strongly that it shouldn't be a part of university culture. So um, on Friday, we reported the initial news that it was going to be gone. And then on Sunday, we did a follow-up story kind of talking about people's reaction to this removal. Uh, and we published a staff editorial that kind of gave our views on the matter, as well as encouraging an environment that did not condemn either side. We believe it's very important that people see this issue not as something to fight about, but rather to talk about. So that's something we wanted to kind of get through to people. Did the staff vote unanimously to support the action to stop the playing of Dixie? Yeah, the way the staff editorial works is we have a clear majority of the staff that will support it. If we had more than, i say, a quarter of the staff that didn't want to, they would, of course, we would, wouldn't want to run it because it wouldn't have been a consensus. But because we did have the majority of the staff in support, we did run it. And their names do appear at the end of the editorial. Right, yes. What kind of pushback, if any, have you received? Well, this is an issue that's very divisive on campus, and it can be divisive even amongst our staff. And it's something that we don't want to condemn people for having different opinions about. We have received several letters that say, you know, they support Dixie, they want Dixie back. We've seen several people that have uh, con- committed us for saying that it should be gone. So it's, it's really not something that there's been a unified pushback on. At the end of the editorial, mm-hmm. uh, the final sentence or, yeah, is, we came to make history not to relive it. And again, like the state flag, like the renaming of streets, like taking away Colonel Reb as the mascot for the team, how far do you think the university has to go to erase those images? Should the team be renamed? Well, you know, that's not really my call, uh, and it's not my place to stand in representation of the university. I do have my own opinions about the subject, but it's not, my opinions aren't relevant. When this editorial was written, was it over the weekend? I mean, did you sit down, did the staff sit down and design this editorial, or was it written by you and then signed off by the other? The way we do it is uh, we take one or two editors. In this case, it was myself and the managing editor, and we write the editorial, and then we submit it to the rest of the staff, and we say, is there anything you'd like to change? Is there anything that you feel that could be worded better? And then other things. We rearranged a couple sentences. We uh I think we had the word stagnant in the in the editorial at some point. We took it out because we felt like it was too negative of a word. But it was something that we felt truly represented the majority of us, and it definitely represented everyone that signed it. Have you received support from uh, members on campus or students on campus as well as faculty? Yes, of course. Um, there are many students on campus that believe that Dixie and things like it shouldn't be a part of our culture because it isn't welcoming. And we've seen, we've seen pushback, you know, we've seen people think that we are taking away too much history from the university or taking away representations of history, rather. But we have received support as well, yes. Does the Daily Mississippian run letters from readers? Yes, of course, we ran one today. And how many have you received thus far? We, well, received, I think, three full letters yesterday, and then we received requests to write letters, um, probably about two to three. On both sides? Mostly they're coming from the side that supports Dixie. Uh, I have not received as many letters um, from those that say, yes, this is a good decision. And you will print both positions? 
Oh, yes, yes. Uh, anyone who would like to write an editorial about the issue is free to do so. We will consider it. The way that goes is uh, it goes to our opinion editor. He looks at them, makes sure they're not personally attacking anyone, and then they're printed. Um, so we will publish either side. Do you anticipate that you will run another editorial? Do you think that will be necessary, or is is this it? Does it stand on its own? It really depends on what develops from here. If there are more things that happen that uh, we feel necessitate editorializing, then we will. But if not, then we will remain silent. Clara Turnage is the editor-in-chief of The Daily Mississippian. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you so much. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Stay tuned to MPB for local. Uh, coming up this morning, it's more Money Talks in Legal Terms and Southern Remedy. And if you miss part of the show, there are several ways you can listen. On our website, mpbonline.org, through the MPB Multimedia app, or search for Mississippi Edition on your favorite podcasting app. You can subscribe to the show right there. It's very easy. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, offering hybrid doctorates, K-12 leadership, higher education, and math education. Combine online and face-to-face courses to graduate in three years. Details at education.